0: You are now listening to the Mass Podcast. Today's episode is slightly different. It's something that we've been working on for a while and we found a really incredible partner to do it with, and that's Red Bull Ama Pigo. Today's episode is part of a series that we're testing out to really go very deeply into a very special kind of entrepreneur. These are social entrepreneurs, social impact driven entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs that have a very deep focus on having a positive impact on the world, on the people in the world and really driving change in different communities and environments. I hope you'll really stick through this amazing series, because I think these conversations are powerful in what they teach and what you'll learn about, not only the people that I interview, but also yourself. I think entrepreneurs really need to be more conscious of the impact that they have on the world. And this might be the series to show you that. So you ready?
1: I'm ready. Yeah.
0: Cool. Uh, I think we should just start with the intro. Cool. 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 So just go.
1: So, um, my name is Tembiso Makajana. I am—I don't have to mention my age, right? I feel like no, yeah, I I just, I'm in my twenties. <laughs> yeah, 20s. I'm in my twenties, and um, I co-founded a nonprofit organization called Social Coding. Mm-hmm. And essentially, what we do is we try to achieve—you um, know—help underperforming students achieve higher scores in maths and sciences um, through computer programming. So we use gamification, AI and blockchain to oh, teach a lot of maths and science. We, we're gonna get
0: into <laughs> things, but yeah. I really wanna get to know, you know, how you got here. Cool, cool. Um, what's the journey been like yeah. um to getting here and just you know your background. So like what did you start out doing?
1: So I graduated um in a bachelor's in accounting from the University of Pretoria and I went on to investment banking at Goldman Sachs here in Santon. And it was incredible, incredible experience, Mm -hmm. but it didn't give me that drive or I just didn't feel like I was living out my purpose. And I was an investment banker for four and a half years. And one Christmas I sat down with my niece and asked, what do you want to do? What what do you want? And she's like, oh, I want to be Steve Jobs. And I'm just like, you want to be an old white man? <laughs> what are you what do you say? Like <laughs> right. Um and up until then my interaction with Steve wasn't that much. I didn't idolize him. Thought the iPhone was cool, yeah. right? Um, but I was still stuck in my ways. You know, in, in banking, your Blackberry was your lifeline. Yeah. Um and
0: I think you just exposed your age.
1: I did,
0: <laughs> yeah, but I'm still in my
1: 10s. okay, <laughs> um, yeah, so I started speaking to her, and she's like, no, she wants to be able to put incredible things together, and build incredible things, and for me, coming from a six-year-old, I just wanted to play at that age, right, and six-year-olds of today want to create, That's and I was really inspired same, by that, like, generational shift, incredibly so, yeah, I think what bothered me was the only role model she had at the time was Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs, great, but where were the black females, um, and I went on to Google, you know, black females in, in technology and white men came up. And I legit thought it was an issue with my data. I'm like, did I type in typo? <laughs> what? I said black women. Yeah. Um, and that kind of exposed what the industry, the least side of the industry. Yeah. right. How not enough uh, black women, black men are given spotlights um, and the platform to show how incredibly um, intelligent they are and what they. In terms their. of
0: tech, in terms of startups, in terms of small businesses, definitely just like building things that matter.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um. So I don't have a coding background. I'm a self-taught coder. Um, what? Yeah. First, our first year, just to give you a, a bit of background. So I started drag and drop Scratch programming with my niece, it was just her and I. Um, and would do this every second weekend because obviously my my work schedules were really hectic. And one weekend I came to visit her and she had three other friends with her. So (laughs) (laughs) So it was like
0: listen, I think we can do this as a squad. You know?
1: Yeah. So I, I love to joke that you know social coding started with four girls and one laptop. Um and it was really, really fun. But then again more kids wanted to join because she was at school and she was telling them about this. And I was like, okay, fine, maybe I kind of need help here yeah. because one thing I've realized is that if you want to do something that you're incredibly passionate about, make sure you're in the know. Oh, it's yeah. not enough to be passionate about something because you'd be the people that you're teaching would come. You'd be teaching them at a disadvantage if yeah. you don't know your subject well. Um, so I did a lot of research, and I Twitter is amazing. I put out this terrible poster. Volunteers to join my little organization, (laughs) my gang of like one person, one laptop, and 15 girls at the time. And the response was incredible. So
0: people were literally just like, We want to be part of this. We really want to do something here.
1: I genuinely believe that people everywhere want to help in their own capacity, right? And being given the chance, and that's what Twitter, that's what social media has done. It's allowed us to put out a platform where people can raise up their hands and say, Hey, me, Mm. I'll do it. Um so I had Quite a lot of people join in the beginning. But then one thing you realize about your business is culture fit is incredibly important. Oh, no,
0: culture fit is everything.
1: Definitely. Um, So we started out with about 80 volunteers. 80 volunteers? 80 volunteers in the first year and we only had like 15 kids. Literally
0: just to to help kids learn how to drag and drop, um, learn how to code. You had 80 people just go, listen, put up their hands. I want to do something here. I want to help. Not
1: just what 80 people. Do? I had 80 females. 80 what? females, right, raise their hand up. And for me, that that kind of spoke to the desire to have, to pass on the poll, right, to pass on the legacy. And, and a lot of them, if you speak to them, what was their... Um, what was the drive behind uh, you know, volunteering? And they'll say, you know what? I, I didn't have anyone when I was in varsity. I would look mm. around and I'd be a fly in milk, mm. you know? Um, so if, I can, if I'm able to be given the opportunity to teach kids what I know and to get them involved, then I'll do it. And that's actually where the pivot from our organization started. Okay. Yeah, so we started drag and drop um, coding. We moved on to HTML, but I couldn't measure the impact. Right. And it bugged me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It definitely bugged me. So, we host workshops. So, at the time, this is our second year of operations, and now we've grown to about 100 kids, and we're hosting workshops every Saturday.
0: And this is specifically for kids in primary school, high school?
1: So, when we started out, we specifically started primary up until about grade 8, grade Mm 9, and uh, we were fortunate enough to, I reached out to a friend of mine who was a teacher at the Pretoria Technical High School, and they gave us, like, a classroom, a lab to use um, on those weekends. So, we'd have, the best thing was we had kids from, the township area none of my kids except for my niece and her friends were from the suburbs the rest were all from township so alex um uh, mamelody uh, atridgeville mm. which was incredible for me because you had all these kids with a desire to learn it was a bit frustrating because in the beginning you spent about a week teaching them how to navigate a computer and that oh, was another man. shift
0: that's literally just a different level now.
1: Definitely. That was another, sh- and I'm so thankful for the lessons that we learned. Um, if I can just relay a story to you. Please. When we started expanding, uh, we decided, okay, we're going to go into other provinces. So we went into the Northwest and I hosted a two-day campaign, okay. awareness campaign um, around coding. And I'm like, okay, if you guys want to join us, you can sign up here, you know, come after class. None of the kids came.
0: This is in Northwest. This is in
1: Northwest.
0: Okay.
1: Principal had given us like um, the assembly hall. We had addressed 500 kids and not one, not one signed up.
0: What do you think that was?
1: Oh, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so I think in my nature, I always want to know why something works and why it doesn't. Yeah. So a week later, I went back to the school and I'm frustrated because we put on the whole shebang. Like we had posters and banners and we had free food and you know they ate the food but they didn't come through I know know all about
0: I know all about events yeah and it's like painful especially when you're doing it more from an impact perspective where you're going you know what let's do a workshop exactly so I, I remember we did like a workshop thing into it like literally you know how to build your business online yeah with google and we had you know the chairs are laid out the food is ready the posters are good and one person comes in. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> at least you had one.
0: Look, we had one. And <laughs> you literally, one. we
1: were just like, look, yeah. he's here. Yeah.
0: Like, there's still value in speaking to that person. Yeah. That person came here. They showed up. Yeah. So what happened with your story, though?
1: So when I spoke to the principal, you know, she let me rant and rave for a good 15 minutes. And she <laughs> says to me, she's like, you know, Tembi, what you need to understand is... In an area like this, it's all about priorities, right? Mm. People don't care about coding, the fourth industrial revolution, if they can't even switch switch a computer on, right? They don't even care about this stuff if they can't even Google. And that created a shift in my mindset to say that as social entrepreneurs, we always want to be a hero in this big ass story. We want to change the world. You want to
0: change the world, but you don't know if the world is ready for change.
1: Not even that. How many social entrepreneurs have you spoken to, and their desire that what drives them is change the world definitely it's like impact exactly Mm. but the problem i believe comes in when you approach a community at the point of your wants and not their need oh right yeah so i had to learn what is the need and Mm. the need was computer familiarization
0: literally computer literacy like I want to learn how to even use the thing.
1: Exactly. But the reason why I emphasize on familiarization, right, is because as, and I'll get into it, as we started monitoring and evaluating the impact that we were doing, we realized relatability played such a huge role. Mm. When kids can't relate to something, they completely reject it. IQ Mm. doesn't matter. This could be the smartest kid in the world. But the minute they can't relate, they reject. Mm. And we decided that, you know, we're going to make kids familiar with computer, with technology, comfortable. Because once they're comfortable, it's like the wall in their mind just breaks down. Oh, man. Um, so what we started doing with our workshops is the, for the first day, we'd send a, a computer keypad, key, keypad. I don't know mm. if you guys still know what that is. Because y'all are like yeah, out was, here with the MacBooks and, <laughs> and <laughs> swipe up, swipe down. Swipe up, swipe down. <laughs> no, I
0: think, I think it's, I think I completely agree with you. Yeah. Right? So I, I remember just only one person in my family having a computer, like my you know well-off cousin yeah. that lived way 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 away.
1: Yeah.
0: And literally the first time I saw it, I was just like, "This is incredible." What is it? What is it? <laughs> I want to learn how to use exactly. it exactly. Because before that, it's just like TV games, which is an intro into more technology. But like once you get that first computer, which I remember my mom buying a computer, and I was just like, "What am I supposed to do here?" Yeah. And, but, like, that process of having it and yeah. being able to be curious, as a, you know, as a young person, just going, okay, I'm going to switch it on. Yeah. After I switch it on, I'm going to try and, you know, press this, push that, um, maybe do this. Like, literally just opening your mind up to going, Yeah. I want to know what I can use this thing for. Exactly. But more than that, I want to know what it can do for me. For me.
1: Love it. And that's that's the kind of, you know what came to you naturally without somebody teaching you and telling you about? Yeah. That's the kind of fostering um, of thought environment that we tried to provide for our kids. Mm. And when we decided that, okay, how do we make this more impactful? Because we got to a point where we were hosting workshops with 500 kids, right? But 500 kids coming to your coding workshop doesn't mean 500 kids have been impacted right Mm. if only four of those kids walk out with basic html coding um knowledge yeah then only four kids were impacted out of that 500 and that's a lesson that i feel social entrepreneurs really should sit down and, and and analyze right what is the impact here and how am i measuring it tangibly because i always feel if we can call corporate firms and say you know what We need your audited financial statements. We need to do the same with social entrepreneurs. Where's the audited impact,
0: right? To actually show what you're actually doing.
1: And that it's helping because, so one of the reasons why I don't like to refer to our organization as an organization that teaches how to code is because coding is a byproduct of what we do, Mm -hmm. right? Our biggest core aspect, which is tied to our goal, we want to produce 1,500 engineers in the next five years right we're very specific about that everything Mm. we do is tied to that because it's not enough for me i teach you to code then what right Mm. then what then what we need to be specific what is the skills that our country the world our continent needs right because if we're going to achieve the goals that we've set out for ourselves as an african continent then we need to be intentional about it
0: and intentionally educating the you know, the young people for that future. Definitely. So that's something like I'm always wrestling with. Like, yeah. for example, the uh, literally every single minister's speech now is just, oh, guys, we are taking this country into the fourth industrial, industrial revolution. revolution. Innovation. And there's innovation. Creativity. And there's creativity. Technology. <laughs> you know all the words.
1: Sam, listen, I can quote verbatim. Literally,
0: just like, oh, guys, we are doing this thing. And then, if you actually go into what they actually saying, you realize, wait, you don't know what you're talking about. But not only that, you are literally just saying this because you think this is the right thing to say. Yeah. Versus actually doing things that impact what that actually means. Exactly. Like, going into fourth industrial revolution without even going, okay, how? what's the level of computer literacy?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, I think there's, there's this over... Emphasis or over just like obsession of going, if people can use phones, I'm sure they can use computers. But it's like such a completely different paradigm. And also just like, what are they using those phones for? What are they using those computers for? And just like, there's this weird misunderstanding and misalignment definitely of like what we should be doing yeah. versus what we're doing right now.
1: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is realizing we need to teach critical thinking. Right. And critical thinking, I believe, has a basis in maths and sciences. I will always be an advocate of maths and science because maths mm. and science changed my life. It allowed me to go to university. It allowed me to study what I'm studying. Right. A lot of kids aren't given that opportunity. And I'm not saying everyone's root mm. is education, right? But education gives you a pretty great stepping stone. Right. Mm. And one of the reasons why we're specific about what our goal is. When we say we want to produce a thousand five hundred. Engineers. I'm talking 1,500 female engineers, right? We're very specific with that. So, for example, we currently in our program have 1,095 kids registered who write. So we write pre and post assessment tests, right? Okay. And what that essentially does is, when the kid joins the program, they give us permission to now be in contact with their school and to receive their reports. It helps us monitor what they're learning in these Saturday workshops. Are they able to apply that learning academically? Mm. If they're not, then we're wasting our time, right? You come to a workshop on a Saturday, you, you're you taught how to code, build a website, but you go home and there's no computer. Where's the impact? You have to wait seven more days before you touch a computer again. Mm. Makes absolutely no sense to us. So one of the things that we did is I'm very fortunate enough to have a co-founder who's passionate about education. Mm. Um, She's an AI developer. Thank you so much. She's an AI developer um, at APSA and she created our first non- tech-based curriculum essentially teaching input and output code on a blackboard right what? insane and i think that's what's given us a bit of prominence and allowed us the platforms that we're given because we've done all of this self-funded right mm. another thing that was important for us was to move from a donor-driven model so like i mentioned we're a nonprofit company mm. and that was an issue in the first year because you're relying on these people to give you money and when they don't your beneficiaries suffer Thankfully, coming from an investment banking background, I was like, hell no. This is not going to work. No, like, no. (laughs) This is not going to work. So we had to relook at our model and say, how do we change this into a services generating model? Mm -hmm. And we were fortunate because we're an NPC and not an NPO, we're allowed to render services, right? Mm -hmm. We're just not allowed to take any dividends from it, but we're allowed to render services and... Build profit for the company, which is regenerated into the company. Uh, we changed our model in 2016, and in 2018 we hit our first revenue over a million as a nonprofit company. So what kind of services are these <laughs> exactly? So, so we're advocates of impact investing, right? Mm. And essentially, what that is is we we our clients we have Exaro, the mining company, mm-hmm. right? Some of our clients have vested interests vested interests in communities. Um, they have a CSI budget to spend, but none of their programs are impactful because mm. they're not recording data and we're into big data. That's that's mm. our thing. So essentially what we do is we provide consultation, feasibility, and reporting for them. And we go out into their communities. So for example, with XORO, last year, 20 kids from their program with us matriculated for the, first, the highest mm. number to matriculate from Lepalale through our program. And that's of that crazy. 25 of them, um, I have gone on to study engineering with one doing nuclear sciences at VITS.
0: That's insane. Yeah. And From, that's impact, like that, measurable. That is
1: measurable. Imp- and that's what we sell. We sell measurable impact as an organization. We don't sell coding. Coding is great, right? But to what relevance? Mm. I have one kid, when we did an interview with the OTV, one of our kids with, was with us. And she went on to say the greatest thing that ever happened through social coding was the fact that she was able to Google and help her father get a job.
0: Right. Literally,
1: just that. Yeah, and she she codes in Python. She's a fourteen year old who codes in Python, and that didn't even come in into her mind when they asked her what's the most impactful thing since you joined this program. The most impactful thing for her was being able to Google um, and help her dad get a job.
0: That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. So, you know, you're doing all this work, which is incredible, right? And yeah. and hard. Really hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, what what? What's your take on social entrepreneurship right now? What's the state of it? Where do you you see things going? Um, How do you see things working out? (laughs)
1: Um, I love how we've moved into an era where people want to do more impactful work, right? Mm -hmm. Get a profit, but still do good at the same time. My biggest gripe is going back to the measurement of impact, right? How are you measuring what you're doing? It's easy to measure money. Mm. Right, profits tell you your storyline but the work that you're actually doing how are you measuring that the state of social entrepreneurship in South Africa is a bit worrying for me because every other day you have this organization coming up claiming to do good but they don't essentially tell us how and you don't see what the plan is Right? so for me I would like more companies to be transparent about what the goal is if, your goal, if you're an organization that teaches coding for example to what end Right? Mm. Is your goal to ensure that the next 15 nuclear engineers um, on a world platform come from South Africa through your program? Or is your goal just to teach how to code? Mm. That's very generic for me. Like Code and then what? So I think we need to be challenged to be more specific about what the goal is.
0: And also measure that impact as well. Definitely.
1: I mean, I will always be an advocate of sustainable philanthropy. And the reason why I say that is because that's what's going to set us aside apart because currently we're in a state where our government is trying to turn us into this Western version of Silicon Valley. And you can see that with the, with, with the nicknames, Silicon Cape, Silicon Derps. Why? Silicon Jersey. (laughs) You know, why? Why do we constantly have to be this mirror image of the Western world? Why can't we come up with our own names, be our own thing? Um, So it's, it's incredibly important for me that we establish our own DNA Um, on our social path and reinvest like all the, even if you are a for-profit company, a majority of your money, I think and believe should be reinvested into your programs and ensuring that you're providing world-class programs. You were asking me earlier, you know, if I'm affiliated with, you know, the innovation hub and all that stuff, that is great. What has taught me going out on my own is creativity. You know, you, if you're given a budget for 50 Rand to shop, you are going to be creative. Like, <laughs> you are going to look for bargains. Yeah. And that's what doing it on your own does. I think
0: that that's definitely something I wanted to go into. It's just yeah. like, are you looking at programs that can help you sort of pivot, sort of, you know, reposition, sort of scale the work that you're doing? Definitely. And if not,
1: yeah. <laughs> why? Okay, yes,
0: then why? Which ones? Yeah, no, if not, then why?
1: It's a little bit of both, I think. Okay, my biggest thing, I've always been like an A type, so I've always had something to prove. I think that's one of the reasons why I went into investment banking Mm -hmm. because I was told it's a predominantly male industry, and I was like, oh, really? I'm going to come and shake this thing. I want to you know, break this. Definitely. And, and, and when I went into to social coding, it wasn't for us to be detached from every other program, but it was for us to learn not to be dependent. Mm. Right? And in order to do that, I needed to figure out, if we're doing this alone, how do we do it alone and still survive? Mm. Because the truth of the matter is, you'll knock on so many doors in the beginning. Nobody starts out a business and wants to be alone nobody Mm. but for me somehow for some reason every door I knocked on shut in my face. What got me into the door was you know my background as an investment banker. What got Mm -hmm. me out is my lack of background in tech. So they're like and that was a lesson. So what I had what did I do? I went out and found a co-founder who's actually um a techie right and I asked Mm. to teach me, teach me how to code. I code in Python and HTML now, right? I used to attend lessons with the same students we're teaching. I was mind blowing for them because they'd look around the classroom and there I am. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I think it encouraged them to, to, to be able to step out and make mistakes. Uh, so yeah, I started out in the beginning quite alone. At this time, I am looking um, for partnerships. I am looking uh, for, for people to help me scale but not aggressively, and Mm. I'll tell you why. We spent the last three years not about media hype, right? We spent it perfecting the product, and the product is the curriculum, Mm. and the data collection. That is what it's,
0: it's,
1: I I believe it's the outcome, Mm -hmm. but not the product, right? The product was essentially for us ensuring. So we we spoke to university lecturers, Mm. we spoke to, to people in higher education, We have people on our board, right, that have been lecturers, uh, that are doctors and have been lecturing for 45 years plus who help us develop this curriculum. Mm. And all of our money went into paying for that because we wanted to ensure when we teach content on Saturdays, it's content that these kids will not only get, be excited about, but will help them pass their exams. Mm. Right? So that has been the whole shift, creating an environment. So we have in our workshops, you'll see a lot of like bean bags. We try to do the whole Google setup thing because a lot of kids have never even heard of Google. Mm. And when they walk into these spaces, these tiny rooms with like you know candy floss machines um and um slash puppy machines, they're like, what?
0: So you're literally engaging them in different ways.
1: Listen, you need to manipulate these kids sometime, yo. <laughs> <laughs> you you. Because it get to them d-
0: bought into what you really want them to be doing?
1: As a man, it is generally a lot easier. And even as a boy, it's a lot easier for you guys to get involved and interested in things that seem complicated. Okay. You know, if you look at there was research that was done where two babies were put together and a remote was given to them each. Mm. And the boy took the remote apart in the, ne- the first five minutes. The girl ignored it completely.
0: Mm.
1: Right? So... As much as people would argue that, oh, you know, girls um, are just like boys and just as creative. Research has shown that they need a little pushing sometimes. Mm. Right. And that's what we try to do. We try to to foster an environment that will encourage creativity, encourage so what we do as well, we've put a lot of remotes and stuff in the rooms and we talk kids, go in there break stuff up and the girls will look at you like wide-eyed like break it if i did this at home <laughs> my parents would kill me oh, c- completely
0: different game you,
1: you don't have to tell the boys twice like before the sentence even out they're already breaking shit <laughs>
0: they're
1: already breaking stuff you know um so it's, it's things like that and if i can just say social entrepreneurs especially those that are in the tech space and that are, are, are wanting to pass on knowledge um you guys need to be creative, right? Yeah. Don't don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to do things out of the norm, right? You you attend a lot of workshops and you people are telling you this is how you run a business. Your business is yours. The DNA will be different. Um, I think passion and drive will take you so far. There comes a place where you need to actually put in the work. Mm. Um, you will, for those of us in the nonprofit space, who know you, there will be times when you are taking money out of your own pocket, even. Um, social entrepreneurs who are for profit taking money out of your own pocket there are times when you're sitting and you're wondering is this even worth it people don't come to your events people don't listen twitter is wild with the support black business thing and you guys will retweet and do what but you don't do anything beyond that right so social entrepreneurs need love guys like we need love we we don't we love your retweets but we need your money as well (laughs) (laughs) you know so even those that are not in the social entrepreneurship space i encourage you to to look for people find out what people are doing Mm. what people on the ground are doing um if if you're running a podcast then you know subscribe to someone's podcast um offer to sponsor exactly offer to sponsor um find a mentor find a mentee Mm. you know and and pass on your knowledge not only in form of money but also in form of this is what i know this is what i've built i would love to learn about the podcast industry and not for myself but for my kids i mean
0: look it's putting up a microphone and recording what you say <laughs> <laughs> that's literally the whole thing right it's not as complicated as social but, <laughs> I swear. But, but it's definitely something exactly I think is gonna be part of learning a lot
1: and um, why shouldn't kids learn about it
0: oh no they should I think kids very early on, I think I'm seeing so many kids literally just recording themselves. And they're not, they're not doing it from a vain place. They just feel like, I can create.
1: Exactly. And I think
0: that's like a culture that we want to cultivate. Like a lot more young kids just going, I want to just make, right? Literally just in, build an environment where kids can just make. make. So I don't care whether it's a podcast, a YouTube channel, coding in Python, building an app, you know, whatever it is, just yeah. like build that whole exactly. thing where you just like okay get in that room yeah there's a microphone there's a computer there's you know literally just an enabling environment yeah break it yeah so that's just like the shift that needs to happen I don't know where it needs to happen or what at what scale but just like I think this continent would be like so much more served.
1: Can I switch it up and interview you? What?
0: No. <laughs> well, I,
1: have, I have a question, right? Okay. That is so, what you're saying has just triggered in me. A lot of people define technology as building apps, right? Building the next big thing. Mm. And you just, when you said creativity, just hit me. Isn't that what tech is supposed to be about? Creating, right? Why aren't, why do you think the hype is centered around coding and not other aspects of tech.
0: So I think, I think right now we just exist in this weird time where, like you said earlier about the whole Silicon Cape, Silicon Jersey, Silicon, this mimicking culture.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? And that's rooted in what's happening in America right now. What's the hottest thing? Startups. Yeah. Literally everyone is just going crazy.
1: startups startups
0: startups startups. and most of those startups are apps um technology that's very very linked to just building products for people to use
1: yeah
0: and i think we're just mimicking that unfortunately i think there's so much value in opening it up a lot more right so literally creating an enabling environment where someone goes okay i want to make but not limiting what they should be making yeah Right. So that's a massive shift in mindset, a shift in policy even. I agree. Because you're seeing so much investment in ah, uh, let's do incubators for startups, let's do this for startups, do that for startups. But like I'm not seeing enough, for example, incubators for creatives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Incubators for traditional businesses. Yeah. Um, if you saw a lot more of that, you'd create this enabling environment where you're going, Look guys, everything's here that you need. You choose the path. Yeah. We're setting it too much. Just styling what we think we need and just going, okay, we need you to fit in this box. If you don't fit, we won't support you. And like, that's where we've broken things up. Yeah. Unfortunately. My interview is now over. Just by <laughs> <in> the way. <laughs> okay, That so was great though, yeah. Can, I felt like Oprah there for a second. Thank you very much. Did you? I did. Really? Yeah. I don't really feel like Oprah.
1: <laughs> you feel like MASH, which is great. Nee- do people actually see you in the street and be like, yo, what's up, mash that up? Yeah.
0: Really? <laughs> they call me mash that up. <laughs> okay, final question. Final question, um, yeah. Where do you see things in 10 years?
1: Um, personally for myself or the industry?
0: Let's round it up.
1: Okay. If I look at social coding, um, I'm gonna self-promo here, but I, I I genuinely believe that we would have reached our goal of 1,500 female engineers. Um, so just to just to expand upon that, so we're looking at three specific areas: nuclear energy. Um, uh, Solar power energy is what energy again? Renewable energies. Renewable, there we go. Yes. Yeah. Um as well as software development, right? Mm-hmm. I believe we would have reached that goal in, in five years' time. So a thousand five hundred female
0: a thousand five hundred female engineers. African yeah. engineers. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so we're looking to expand. At the end of the year, we're actually setting up cells. We currently have cells, we have 78 cells across South Africa, in Eastern Cape, uh, Northwest, uh, Limpopo, as well as Gauteng. And we are looking to set up cells in uh, Zambia later this year, because I went to high school in Zambia, so I do have a bit of a base there. Um, And we're looking to expand to Zambia at the end of this year. But in 10 years' time, I believe there will be a social coding uh, program in every country across africa and i also believe i will no longer be working for social coding i think my plan is actually to retire in three three years Mm -hmm. and i want a girl from our program to take over that's so we're we're in the process of grooming girls to be the next um founders of social coding founders will rotate every five years and they will come from girls within the program this is so powerful
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you. You know there's a camera, right? There is. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool. Great.